0: All right, all right, everybody. This is the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. Boy, I have a terrible radio voice when I try to do that. Your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I am your host. Thank you all very, very much for being here. Live after the fact. I can't be live. I'm confusing my intros and outros. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, as you can tell, I don't really edit these things. So if I sound like a moron, I you know what? Not the first, won't be the last. However you are, have a, arrived at listening to this show, be that you know, Apple Music, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, however you do it, uh, thank you very much. If you could take a, just a little bit of time, and I do mean very little, because this shouldn't be complicated. If you're listening on an apparatus that allows star ratings, give us a star review. Whatever you think we deserve. Again, I if you think this is you know a one star show fine i'll take it one star just give us a little bit of a review uh thumbs up or thumbs down and i'm just gonna ask for thumbs up if you're on youtube because a everybody does it and b i've this is not the worst thing you're gonna find on youtube let's be
1: honest One star is better than none
0: it is very much true so if you could interact with the with this just a little bit, however you can, it helps out with, again, analytics and that the algorithms and so on and so forth. So thank you very much, if at all possible. Thanks for sharing us. If you have a friend, point them at our show if you think they'd be interested. If you have an enemy, point them at our show if you think they'd be interested, and I will annoy them. All right, on the docket this evening, last night UFC was in Tampa, Florida for UFC on ESPN Plus 19, a card that had... Oh, God. There were 14 fights last night. This was the second longest event in terms of in-cage time behind only Verdum versus Tabora from a couple of years ago. I think the final in-cage fight time for this event clocked in at like 2 hours, 57 minutes and change. The Verdum-Tabora one is over 3 hours. And I remember that event because the broadcast time... On FS1, for that monstrosity from start to finish was over seven hours.
1: There was only one fight that ended in a stoppage uh, on the main card, but the whole card was on ESPN+. Plus.
0: Yeah, for this one, yes.
1: Five and, decisions on the main card, one, three on
0: the prelims. Yeah, cool. I,
1: I, That's a lot.
0: I don't know why they went with 14, 14 fights. That seems unbelievably well, excessive.
1: I don't think they should go more than 10 fights, in my opinion. But, you know, got all these guys on the roster and fights and got to get paid.
0: And they already won one. They already run one event a week, basically. Uh, so.
1: But the show, I mean, apparently they still drew over 10,500 people. I don't know how many actual paid, but, you know, they had a decent attendance for Tampa.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll also be previewing UFC on ESPN six. Uh, that's coming up this next Friday. Uh, so just be aware it's Friday, not Saturday. And that's got a decent main event. It's not the worst card in the world. Oh. Um, uh, also whatever news came out this week, not a whole lot. Uh, you've heard Jeff already a little bit, but he's with me again, as usual, my partner in crime, Jeff Harris, how are things going over there, Jeff?
1: If everyone could root for the Astros, which I have on in the background right now, I'd really appreciate it. We're down 0-1 against the Yankees and the ALCS, so. If you hate the Yankees, I'll take it.
0: I have no dog in the hunt, but for whatever it's worth, you can count me rooting for them for the duration of the podcast, I guess.
1: Well, thank you for that, at least. Well, let's get to it.
0: All right. Um, we're going to start with a bit of an odd thing here because prior to actually getting into the fights from last night, from UFC on ESPN plus 19, we have to talk a little bit about news that broke after we went off the air last week. Last week, we record Sunday evenings, for the most part, and the next day or so was when this story started percolating. Uh, Apparently former strawweight champion and Jacek or her team... I say her, this is not her necessarily specifically, but her, her team, someone in that area, in that camp, told the UFC that they didn't think she was going to be able to make weight for the Tampa card. Now, this was, uh, this is not, fighters do this on occasion. They tend to have a feel for when they're going to miss weight or not. And occasionally they're able to give the UFC a heads up to try and smooth out negotiations about catchweight affairs, something along those lines. I, I don't know. Um, so that happened. Uh, it's also kind of been intimated. I mean, look, nutrition as a nutritionist is a kind of a bro science field. There's not a lot of settled science. There's a bunch of people who argue different things. And uh, again, there is certainly scientific merit within it, but it's not settled and you get a lot of bizarreness. But uh, apparently she fired her nutritionist ahead of this, uh, you know, partway through this weight cut and spent time at the Performance Institute trying to undo the damage. Which might have been part of the reason she said, we're not sure we're going to make weight. And this, again, this, it's not uncommon for fighters to miss weight. Michelle Watterson responded to this by saying that she would not accept a catch weight fight. Which is within her right. Absolutely, and again, kind of, I kind of say good for her, you know.
1: UFC president Dana White said it was head games, but I mean, it's Dana White.
0: I think Dana White is full of crap in this instance. Well, now, I,
1: here's what he said yesterday: My partner ESPN put up their ticker tape. Yawana Yonjic didn't make weight. The weigh-ins are today, Friday. It's been crazy. What has been happening there has been some head games going on between two veterans who are fighting in the main event a fight that is very important in both their careers and to see who gets the next title, thought. that's literally what is going on. And all of these MMA suckers fall for it because they're hearing things behind the scenes or whatever is going on. None of it is true. Here's what else he said. Um, he denied that he was going to pay fines um, for Joanna. I don't know what that's about. Did someone say he was the UFC was going to pay you want us fines if she didn't make weight?
0: I I have not heard that one.
1: That he said, then I saw a story that said we were going to pay her fines if she didn't make weight. This is what he told TMZ. That will never happen. I'm never paying fines for people who didn't make weight. That's a lie. That's never going to happen ever. Well,
0: I imagine it has happened and will happen in the future, but it was probably yeah, untrue I- in this situation. <laughs>
1: Dana White did once say he was never going to put Amanda Nunes in a UFC main event again. Didn't he say that once? He said a lot of things. And he also say he was never going to book Jon Jones in a in a pay-per-view main event again, just because of all of his indiscretions.
0: Yep. Also things that Dana White has said. You
1: know. I'm just saying... I'm just saying... Never is a long time, so maybe, like, don't box yourself in by saying never. Yeah. Wanna, well, again,
0: I, I would be sure...
1: A, a soundbite headline. You never
0: know. Yeah. Uh, again, there were some. Some of this was mis. Mischar- again, some of this was I hate to say mischaracterized. But the people reporting that Yolanda missed weight were completely inaccurate. Those reports were kind of really breaking on Thursday. The weigh-ins aren't until Friday. She hadn't she, missed she weight. Would, she. She. I think what the concern was was that
1: she was worried she wouldn't make weight. Yeah. Again,
0: that, that that particular issue she had brought to light to the UFC about a week before, uh, a couple of fighters have confirmed that they were approached by the UFC about filling in. I know Angela Hill mentioned that she had,
1: and but- that's that's good planning. But I think there is, I think there is a sense that this story did get blown out of proportion to some degree.
0: They're certainly trying to spin it that way.
1: <laughs> I, I
0: think it did. I mean, again, if you go to the UFC and say a week out and say I'm not going to make weight, and the, I mean, again, she, look, Yuna officially made weight. She weighed 115 and a half. She made maybe weight.
1: She was wor- maybe she was worried, and it just in her weight cut, her you know, she saw something in her weight cut that she was a little worried, and she was being. Sometimes we're overly cautious, and things turn out all right anyway.
0: It. I but- also would not. Put it past the situation for it to have been. She just kind of wanted a greater competitive advantage. Hey, can we do well, a catch weight? Well, can we do a catch weight instead stuff. of the official weight?
1: I I'm concerned because weight cutting is dangerous, and we know it is at this point. And I don't want to see like what happened with Darren Till, where he cut, where he got so sick while cutting weight. He he went temporary temporarily blind. And that's from the video he and his own camp released online. Okay, that's fact. And then that that infamous video of Cyborg just looking on near. Remember that video where you mm-hmm. look near death during a weight cut to I think one hundred forty pounds, or was it one forty five?
0: That would have been one forty.
1: Yeah, when she was doing a catch weight of one forty, that looked horrible. And we. Joanna has never missed weight before but she has it, talked about her struggles making weight in the past and so I'm just concerned in general when you you know when a fighter comes out when a fighter's camp comes out whatever says something like this I don't want them getting hurt and I don't want them risking their life to make weight now ultimately I don't know what really went on here none of us do but she came out she made weight she didn't have trouble making weight for this fight she she came in on the she came in at 115.5 so i don't know what happened um i hope she didn't my hope is that she didn't go through any extreme measures to make weight that's my hope and i and i really hope anything like that didn't
0: happen but you never know if i were to hazard a guess and let me be clear this is me speculating Some part of her weight cut got a little bit screwed up and she was going, she was exploring avenues for avoiding having to correct it. So, hey, if we can do, so again, this is, you know, hey, can we do a catch weight instead of the agreed upon weight bout? And if Michelle Watterson agrees, then fair play. We both weigh, you know, 120 instead of 115 and the fight goes ahead as scheduled and that's not unprecedented. That's happened many
1: times in the past. Oh,
0: yeah, that, that does happen. It's, and I, in all honesty, I think more fighters exploring the option of, you know, kind of catch weights under those circumstances is something that should happen more in the sport. Right. If, if you're a week out and your weight cut is gone or you know, two weeks out and you, you know things are not going well, at least ask. Like at that point, don't just say, hey, I'm not going to make weight.
1: It's last minute. Watterson agreed to 115 pounds. This is their job. She's naturally the smaller fighter. Yoana is naturally bigger. And you can argue that Watterson is naturally a 105
0: uh, She is.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't unreasonable for her to be adamant about accepting the fight at 115 or bust. So I don't disagree with her there. Uh, um, I,
0: have, I have no problem with her saying, no, I will not accept a catchweight fight in this scenario.
1: I mean, it didn't, it didn't look, once push came to shove, it didn't look like Joanna was having problems. So she could have just been paranoid about the weight cut for all.
0: Now, again, or just kind of yeah. gotten into the last week or so and went, boy, this really sucks. If I can avoid it, I'd like to
1: but look but look you know we've seen fighters have bad weight weight cuts and look like garbage and this was really not one of those times robert i don't her, think
0: her performance didn't suffer the same way we've seen other people who have just catas- catastrophic weight cuts suffer misha take uh, misha frequently um kevin lee would frequently have those kinds of issues um yeah, there's well, a lot of guys. I, I, there's a I, lot of examples.
1: At the same time, I don't think there's anything with scrutinizing this situation a lot more. Looking looking into both this situation more and also keeping an eye on Joanna in the future and see if this comes up again. There's nothing really happened here and nothing sketchy really happened that we know of. But I just think we should keep a close eye on it because... Again, weight cutting is dangerous, and I don't. I think this is something we should be scrutinizing right now.
0: Yeah, especially if she does, and uh, we'll get into the fight specifically because she does win the. She did win the fight.
1: Yeah,
0: and is in all likelihood the next contender to the strawweight title that she used to hold. And if she has to hit one fifteen straight up instead of getting that extra pound allowance, it does bear watching. I thought it was a good fight. Not an outstanding fight. Um,
1: Watterson did good. She had her moments. Uh, Almost got Ioana's back and was almost able to get a choke in at one point. Um, Her grappling was on point. It was really the striking that made a difference. But, I mean, uh, Watterson held her own. He just wasn't able to overcome the elite striking game of Ioana. who's probably the best striker in that division, probably the best kickboxer. Unless yeah, she-
0: you disagree. No, not especially. I mean again, she's been outstruck. That's essentially entirely how Rose Nama Unis beat her both but, times.
1: But but I mean before that fight, would you have said Rose was a better striker kickboxer than Juana? No. This match up. And I think I not that, I'm not saying what happened with Rose was an anomaly. I mean,
0: no, no, no. I'm I'm now trying to visualize how those two would match up if they were just straight kickboxing just instead of just matchups. You know, it's unpredictable. Yeah, Rose Rose did a bunch of things that just completely un were undoing to the fundamentals of Joanna's game.
1: And Waterson did some damage here. I mean, she got some hits in, and I think. Yoanna's foot got really jacked up. Oh, yeah.
0: Have you seen the pictures of that from today?
1: Not the ones from today, but last night. Yeah.
0: No, no it it got much worse. Like, uh, look it up if you get yeah. a sec. It's,
1: I don't want to see it
0: now. It's pretty gnarly. Um, again, the official result, Ioana and Janjacek defeats Michelle Watterson. Unanimous decision 50-44, excuse me, 50-45 twice and 49-46.
1: Sometimes, like, the swelling doesn't even happen that day. It takes light, but, oh, that is gnarly.
0: Yeah, she that that's a badly broken. That, yep. that, I I'd say badly. That is a broken foot.
1: Like a, it looks like a it looks like a balloon of a it looks like a foot shaped
0: balloon. A little bit, yeah.
1: Poor wanna get well soon.
0: You throw that many kicks, a few of them get checked. That's all it takes. Yeah. Um, um, again, the fight itself was all right, was you know not a bad fight, but Michelle Waterson doesn't really have the same type of style that troubles Yoana. I know a lot of the talking heads and some of the commentary going into this was well,
1: like it a Waters slid a little badass last night though, you know. Yeah. She wa- I mean, I mean, look, she took everything yoan gave her.
0: Yeah, she took a beating.
1: And she kept I mean, she didn't get tired. Both of these women have probably better cardio than most men.
0: A lot of yeah, I imagine that's probably true. Um amazing like
1: ama- amazing gas tanks. It's just, you know, Giovanna was just more dominant, got got more significant strikes. Um and she and uh, her grappling and submission defense held up as well.
0: Yeah,
1: one of the Has key I don't think anyone's ever really been able to submit. No, no one's ever submitted Joanna.
0: Nope. Uh, one of the keys to beating Joanna is it's, there's a couple of things. One is don't be the aggressive party. Joanna really wants you to come at her. That's what a lot of her game is predicated on. I, I mean, again, commentary was making her off to be. No, she's the. How is Michelle going to deal with the forward pressure of Joanna? Yoana's not a terribly forward-first fighter. She's much, she excels much more countering your aggression.
1: I remember in some of her title defenses, she would even drop the first round. Maybe even the first two rounds. Two rounds, as I recall.
0: I, she was a I sl- only recall that arguably happening in the Gedalia fight.
1: I think it happened in the Lerterno fight, too. I would say she lost the first round of that
0: fight. The first round was it was the oh, I think the first was the only one you could arguably give Laterno, oh, that's true. But anyway, you again you kind of have to make her come to you cuz she's not as comfortable in that role. And you can't really bite on her what shadow boxing.
1: Carolina won a round in that fight.
0: Yeah, she caught her with a that was the third or fourth. She caught her with that okay. counterpunch that dropped her.
1: Well, I mean, I, I just feel like both in Letourneau and Gedillia, excuse me, you know, the, uh, her opponents were the aggressors in those early rounds. That's the way I saw it. But I agree with you. I I largely agree with you.
0: Uh, and especially once she gets a feel for your, like, rhythm and the distance that the fight is contested at, that's when she really starts upping her output. And she's good about kind of picking at you at distance, Again, the reason that Rose just kind of undid her fundamentally was she didn't bite on any of the fakes or feints. She didn't engage with Joanna at really long distance. She would wait for Joanna to throw something from out of range, bounce in, counter, bounce back out, and just repeated that over and over. And Joanna had no real answer. And uh, The Shevchenko fight, something very similar. It is hilarious to me. Rewatching parts of that fight, Ioana's corner tells her, like between every round, you know, the fake, you know, the fakes and faints are working. She's not, you know, her head's going to be straight up in the air when you go, which is profoundly inaccurate because there's no reason to react to anything that's not going to hit you. And both Rose and Valentina were able to get a feel for the range much faster than Ioana, so every time she was throwing stuff or you know, the whole purpose of a feint is to draw out a reaction. If you're fainting from out of range, there's no reason to react, so it doesn't actually give you any information.
1: What did you think of that moment where she got her back and tried to attempt a rear naked choke?
0: The choke was never all that close, but yeah. Watterson's back-taking is very, very fast. That's not just here. It's uh, a very like high-level grappler, I think. Again, she got... She's got almost all of her opponent's backs, I think, in most of her recent fights. I know because she choked out Paige Van Zant from there. She got Carolina's back a couple of times. She got Herrig's back. She's, again, she's good in at, at forcing that scramble and then finding her way to your back very quickly and getting hooks in and actually kind of securing the position.
1: Now, it may seem unlikely, but Meltzer talked about it on Observer Radio. Do you... Do you think the UFC ever taught? not that they're going to do this? Do you think it's possible the UFC will ever will, will ever start a straw not straw. Adam weight, one hundred five for the women.
0: Um Ever? Yeah. Probably. In the near future, I struggle to see that. Okay. I mean they look, they should have added atom weight before they added featherweight. There's more women fighting at atom weight than there are at featherweight.
1: Well, they needed featherweight for cyborg and then they
0: didn't even
1: have the first
0: fight with those. Yeah, God. Their mismanagement of that situation aside. Uh, uh, yeah, without getting into the weeds on that, one oh five I think could be a valuable addition. There's a few women fighting in the UFC at Strawweight that would immediately make that drop.
1: Well you need a you I think if you Besides the women who can, you need to bring in a lot more not, you know, decent fighters who can fight at Women's 105, I think.
0: Yeah, they you would have to raid, I hate to say raid because that's not necessarily the right word, but they'd take a bunch from Invicta, they'd have to try and lure a few away from, you know, places like One or Ryzen that have more established divisions like that. I mean, there's a few women who came into strawweight and then wound up leaving. That might come back for 105. I mean, so. there
1: there are probably some strawweights who could drop down, but we don't want to thin out strawweight either.
0: Um, I, I mean, is it is it possible? Yeah, and at some point they will, but I don't know how soon. I mean, they just got burned pretty badly by featherweight, so they're they're and women's flyweight is not exactly flourishing at the moment.
1: So this fight. Has likely earned Ioanna another title shot. It's not official, but the next fight will likely be Ioanna versus uh, uh, Zhang uh, for the women's strawweight belt. I think that's a great, interesting fight. Uh, how do you like that matchup?
0: It's the one to make. I mean, the only other contender right now would be Tatiana Suarez, and Suarez is barely back to sparring after her neck after her most recent injury. Um, so yeah, I do
1: that fight
0: in China in a stadium. Eh, I mean, they could, but I'm not sure they would.
1: Cause they did, um, they did the Australia fight in a stadium and it did very well.
0: Yeah. It looked great. You also had the benefit of two regional stars and, you know, not being in China. There's there's certain places in China they're not going to. UFC has already been to China multiple
1: times at this point, and they've done. They
0: have. They've,
1: they've done, done okay there. Or in China, right? Hmm? So I mean, I feel like I feel like it wouldn't be hard as hard to do it as you think.
0: Again, there there are certain at, logistical concerns.
1: Right now, there's a lot of right now there is a lot of anti. Um, not anti-Chinese, but anti-Chinese like Chinese government, Chinese regime going oh, on. You
0: know, considering yeah. they're a murderous regime, rounding up people and putting them in concentration camps, executing them and harvesting their organs, yeah, I think there well, should be.
1: I, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but... So that could, you know, if you of C were to do business in China like that,
0: it could be... I mean, they're already going to face, assuming media actually does their job, they should be facing elements of... Question, at least questions about that going forward.
1: But but I mean, I mean <laughs> who isn't in business, who isn't in bed with China at this point if you're a big corporation?
0: It's true. It's a real concern. And, you know, much as I would prefer that all the businesses in question do the moral thing, because it's pretty easy to say, hey, what the Chinese government is doing is immoral and evil and... They should be condemned I mean, in the strongest I mean, possible language for it. You know,
1: uh, probably half the junk in my house was, was made in China. So, I mean, it's not like I'm some saint here. I'm not going to pretend I'm some
0: saint. But, and, and, the other, and look, I, again, I am not defending this position, but I am going to mention that if you're a company that spent hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars trying to establish a presence in China... Yeah, you'd be th- you would probably be throwing all of that. I'd say throwing all of it away, as though the you know terrible things that government has been doing for. I don't know why we're just now kind of coming around to this. That the Chinese government spent I don't like want
1: to have a moral debate about the governments, but uh, look, it's a thing right now. That being said, they do they have a Chinese champion. Yep. And there could be an opportunity for them to make something like that happen. It's not the most. Outra- I don't think it's the most outrageous idea in the world to discuss.
0: No, and some, some of it's going to be uh, time-related because... Right. I, I mean, look, the UFC is... Well, look, we're well, not, look, I'm not okay. going to pretend the UFC is a moral institution. If the heat dies look, down, they'll do it. But well,
1: look. Joanna has, fo- has to heal up from this, Take pro- probably want a little time off, and but uh Zhang now has a um a work visa according to melzer uh on the wrestling observer radio she has a work visa now so um the fight could happen in the us too it sounds like we'll see
0: yeah it's the fight to make i'm as far as the matchup itself goes it's a compelling one uh, i mean Zhang's first I'm
1: happy that like Mike Brown is continuing to take such an active role in training, you know, fighters of today, and seeing him still have a presence in the sport, even though you know he wasn't a, uh, didn't have a the greatest run in the UFC. I, I have a lot of respect, and I'm a big fan of Mike Brown. So good for him.
0: That man is a sadly forgotten great in terms of his in cage career.
1: Right, I agree. He was legit. The best 145-er in the world at one point.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he was. He was the champion. That's not well, always the same thing. champion, he beat, he beat
1: the guy, the, the hot name twice, Uriah Faber. Yep. And then he just ran into the surging up-and-coming Jose Aldo, and that was, that was pretty he, much the end of his run.
0: Didn't he beat Leonard Garcia, too?
1: Yeah, when Leonard Garcia, you know... I mean,
0: was- I, sure, it's Leonard Garcia, no one cares, but I, th- I, I thought there was an... Because I, I, we all remember the Faber fights, but I was pretty it, sure he yeah. beat Leonard Garcia,
1: defended, too. First he defended against Garcia, then the rematch with Faber, and then he lost to uh, Alba. Yeah. He had a little run. I mean, no, he, was, he was treated like an... undeservedly treated like an underdog against Faber. Yeah, that was Faber so sad. Media darling. And he beaten dominated Faber twice. So, I mean, good for him. But um, I'm happy he's like, you know, he's still in the sport and he's still training and coaching fighters like Yoana. It makes me very happy to see that.
0: Yeah, the fight between Yoana and Zhang, in theory, is uh, it's an interesting one because, I mean, Zhang spent her first, like, two UFC fights doing nothing but circling away and landing leg kicks.
1: As you said, Brown is a forgotten great, and, and if he's like a good coach, I, I like the fact that he's coaching other high-level fighters.
0: If he That's wasn't a good, good. – I, I think he's been at American Top Team at this point long enough that if he wasn't good at his job, they would have fired him.
1: Right.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, it, it is. Mike Brown's uh, turned into a really darn good coach. I mean, I, I haven't heard too many people complain about him. So anyway, that was your main event. Uh, Again, good fight. I'm not complaining about pretty much anything related to it. Co-main
1: event and then quick hits.
0: Yeah, I think so. co-main event. Uh, This was your fight of the night, officially. Cub Swanson defeats Crone Gracie via unanimous decision. 30-27 across the boards. Crone Gracie has since come out and tried to invoke Diaz logic of, I didn't didn't lose, I just ran out of time. Uh, No, buddy, you lost.
1: I mean... He got, I mean he, I mean he did i mean he did well, I think, but he still lost He's dominating
0: this is an odd fight to kind of parse because uh, first of all credit to crohn's uh resilience because he ate some hellacious body shots and just did not care at all
1: he was in there with a longtime veteran Dude. this fight serves it,
0: let me this is going to sound like I'm insulting both guys, and I'm not trying to. Mm-hmm. This fight serves as two things. One, if you watch great, watch Crone Gracie's performance. I, I'm going to paraphrase someone else. I believe this is Luke Thomas. I saw say this, and I agreed with it. Crone striking isn't necessarily green because that would imply he's adopted some best practices that just need time to mature. Crone Gracie's striking eschews the majority of what striking in MMA looks like. And whether that's by design, whether that's him kind of, you know, I don't know specifically, but it it's not good. And the fact okay, that he was he's as successful his career.
1: Well, and sure, he's but not really, he's not really a striker. He's a grappler. He's a BJJ day grappler.
0: Sure, but even in other guys making that transition, you can see the foundations of what striking, I hate to say, is supposed to look like, but currently accepted best practices have a certain well, look, and he I does got, not I, have even the basics of that.
1: I'm a huge Swanson fan, and I think he did, he did a lot of sloppy stuff last night. You did. Was, Again,
0: my big... Sloppy. My big takeaway from this is... Again, twofold. One, Crone Gracie just doesn't really have even the kind of fundamentals of what contemporary MMA striking looks like. And two, the fact that he was as successful as he was against Cub Swanson should let us all should just remind us all about how close to the end Cub Swanson is.
1: Well, 35 years old, coming off four back-to-back losses here, so.
0: And, and look I, I'm not knocking Cub man again you, you again, over you know over 30 he's had what 40 he, fights
1: he he probably has a lot less fights than when he's, obviously he has less fights than what he's put in
0: Yeah he's again he's very near kind of the end at least at a at a minimum he's near the end of a UFC cuz he
1: did, he did all the all things being equal, equal he did quite a bit of damage to Cub here and he, he was able to hit him quite a bit
0: Yep he, there's a lot of especially Cubs like exiting the pocket that left him wide open to anyone with a decent hook or a head kick that would have cleaned his clock.
1: Cub can be a little wild sometimes. That's not new, but he was very wild and I think left a lot of openings last night. Yeah, I'm. I think we really saw that from him when he was having like that six. I think that six and zero run.
0: You still saw moments of that same kind of stuff from him then, too. Yeah,
1: But I think he would be, I think, I thought he was more dynamic and he used, I think he used a lot better angles. I think it's, it's starting to clearly degrade a little bit now,
0: though. Yeah, fighting the way he does uh, becomes more, becomes a greater liability the longer you do it. And he's just at the point when, I mean, again, he was on a four-fight losing streak and, okay, some of that was high-level opposition, okay? Right. He was doing, he did a lot of great work against Brian Ortega before nearly nearly getting submitted in the first and then actually submitted in the second.
1: The fight with Ortega is still almost two years old at this point. Yeah. He's two years older now. He's 35 now, and all that takes its toll. Age takes its toll. He's probably not in his fighting prime anymore either.
0: I mean, he's had 37 professional martial arts fights he's 35. A lot of those have been you know kind of mm-hmm. knocked down drag out affair. I mean, his fight with Duho Choi for crying out loud. Yeah. That was a war. Uh both the Edgar fights he took a beating. It, like he went 5 rounds a- with Artem Lobov. Uh that fight sucked.
1: <laughs> that's my point. You know, he's going 5 rounds with a guy like Lobov, you
0: know. Yeah. And, again, he's just very near the end of his career at this point. And this fight, while a much-needed win for him, is, also serves to illustrate that point to you know, yeah. someone I like think me, I suppose. That,
1: I, think, I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. Not, I'm not trying to rub, uh, run down Cub. I, I'm a big fan. I, I enjoy watching him fight. It's just the reality.
0: Again, I've had a lot of enjoyment watching Cub Swanson over the years. I picked him to beat Frankie Edgar because, in the first fight.
1: Because he kind of, you know, he went the distance with a 5-0 and o fighter who's not a very
0: good striker. And was hit a fair bit. Uh, anyway, as for the rest of this card. Nico Price Scott, Nico Price, oh, not the year. I don't care. Eh... It, for me it's still for me this is probably second place for knockout of the year
1: Second place is still
0: high. it is yeah this this will be this will wind up I think being second or third
1: I'm sorry, James Vick, but that was seeing you get up kicked to sleep.
0: yeah James excuse me, Nico Price knocks out James Vick with an upkick a minute 44 seconds into the first round um, this one sounded bad. Like, if you just heard this, this sounds like a coconut dropping onto a floor. Like, this was oof. Um, On the plus side for James Vick... Uh,
1: You gotta protect yourself at all times, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, On the plus side for James Vick, a few people posted um, some health updates for him this morning. His CT scan was clear. He has no broken or even uh, displaced teeth. He credits his gum shield for that. His jaw's not broken. Uh... One of his the knee that he kind of fell on might have a serious injury but they're going to have to wait on a MRI the x-ray was inconclusive. I mean I'm
1: you know as a fellow Texan I'm glad he's okay. I'm uh, that visual.
0: Yeah, this was a bad one guys. He was out on his knees. Uh ooh, yeah, this was this was a bad knockout. I think his chin is just shot doesn't matter what weight class he fights at.
1: Uh, let me is it correct, so the last UFC upkick knockout was in 2006? Is that accurate?
0: Yes, that was the only other upkick finish in the UFC when uh, John Fitch basically TKO'd uh, Tiago Alves with it boy, way now, back in the day.
1: Now, in terms of high-level MMA, there was the Gegard Musashi versus Jacare.
0: Most up-kick. famously, yes.
1: Was that in Sengoku in Japan?
0: It was Sengoku or Dream, one of those two.
1: Yeah, it was one of those two. It wasn't, you know, it was post a post post Pride uh, Japanese promotion um, that I think is now defunct. There was that.
0: Uh, let me look that uh, up. of, I, I feel like Mus- yeah, that was yeah, that was the, that was Dream Six. That was in two thousand eight.
1: So I feel like there have been. I I feel like Musashi almost got King Mo once, but King Mo still won the fight.
0: He, he caught him a few times. He never finished him with it. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, it, up kicks are effect, they're an
1: effective technique, but you almost never see someone getting, uh just slept with a with the straight up kick. So,
0: yeah, I think the only other one, and this is not a UFC fight necessarily, mm-hmm. but uh, Tony Ferguson knocked out that little uh, Randy Couture look alike um, on his season of Tough with an up kick. Okay. Well, that's but
1: yeah, kind you of don't see but you, Ultimate Fire.
0: So yeah, you don't really see them at the elite level. Right. Um, it, it is a rarity. Watch lower level stuff; they happen more frequently. You don't
1: always see guys throwing the up kicks, because um, you do have to be careful. Because if a guys diving for the guard, and if he's on his knees, that can be a that can that can be a foul. And usually, fighters are good at defending up kicks. You know, but watching out for them.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of ways to mitigate that danger. And I mean Krohn was throwing a, had a really nice setup for them actually when he was fighting Swanson. Mm. He would get close, he would try to pull guard and then when that if that failed, he'd reach down and there's a sweep you do by I think it's called the Kuro Kuro sweep, forgive me if I'm incorrect about this, where you just kind of grab around the backs of their ankles and you push with your feet on them and you will tip them backwards he would kind of do something like that. And one of the ways to defend against that winds up leaving your you know, head a little more exposed and he would then go back. So he would pull guard set for that sweep. And then when Cub defended fire an up kick and he never caught him flush with it, but uh, it was a really interesting kind of sequence he was pulling off there. I'm going to have to rewatch that one and see how that you can look at some of the more specifics of that one. Interesting. So again, not a bad one. Um, all right, next up, Amanda Hibos defeated Mackenzie Dern via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. This fight sucked. Matt Frivola defeated Luis Pena via split decision, Um 28 for Pena, two twenty-nine twenty-eight 28 for Frivola. I scored this for Pena, but the entire scoring of this comes down to the first round, and kind of a meh round could go either way.
1: I agree with your scoring on Pena, but, you know, it was a close fight.
0: Um, Eric Anders defeated Gerald Mershart via split decision. I also disagreed with this one. Um, these 29-28s again, two for Anders, one for Mershart. I thought Mershart won this fight. Um, not a whole lot here. The fact that Eric Anders basically got outstruck by Gerald Mershart is. Uh, Anders had some hype and clearly has some athletic ability, but uh, if he's not able to get everything together at some point in the near future, it does not seem like he has it not a good thing
1: so inconsistent you know
0: yeah uh all right as for the prelims ryan span defeated devin clark with a guillotine choke two minutes and one second into the second round uh mediocre fight decent enough finish from Spann. mike davis and thomas gifford oh god i gotta talk about this okay mike davis officially knocks out thomas gifford with punches 445 of the third round okay I had the first round of this fight as a 10-7 for Mike Davis. Um, Just because Gifford did nothing. And if we were under the old score set, I don't think I could have gone to a 10-7, but under the new ones, I think it was appropriate. That said, I wasn't screaming at the ref to end this fight because the big kind of flourish final sequence that would have prompted a stoppage, came right at the end of the round. If it goes on for another four seconds, I think that fight is stopped. But timing's a thing. Gifford er, comes out for the second round and drops, in my estimation, a 10-8. He he was a heavy bag, man. He had nothing. Between rounds two and three, this fight should have been stopped. His corners should have stopped it. A... there were a few moments in that second round when the ref should have stopped it. Just give him the like, just stop it. There's no point to this. So we come out for the third round, just a fight that should not be going on. And Gifford continues to absorb head trauma for another four minutes and 45 seconds. Michael Bisbing on commentary, just actively being disgusted by this. There's a few different points. Like G- Davis, Cracks him with a left hook and he wobbles on the feet. And at that point, like, okay, he doesn't fall. I don't care. Look at what's happened. If he's not fighting back and he's not, you can stop the fight. You, somebody doesn't have to go down. They really don't. I don't. I don't know why we have this ridiculous mentality in the sport that that it tends to just dissuade standing TKOs. You cannot be defending yourself and still upright. That's a thing. It happens in boxing all the time. Kickboxing, too. But it, it wasn't, and then Gifford, uh, Davis finally lands a right. He face plants. Michael Bissing has to restrain himself from swearing on air. And he just actually says, uh, this got cut out of the clip because of some of the time delay, but Gifford face plants and Michael Bisbing's. You know, actually, just stop the. Oh, he goes to say, oh, Jesus, but he stops himself at G's. The ref finally stops it, and his actual line from commentary is Are you happy now, ref? This was an absolute catastrophic failure of cornering, failure of officiating. This. Is every bit as bad, if not arguably worse, than the Gavin Tucker, Rick Glenn scenario from a couple of years ago. Shame on this. Shame on Gifford's corner, which apparently includes his father. Shame on this ref, who was pulled from all other officiating duties for the rest of the night after this abomination. Just again, this is a categorical failure. Of all these people, do not—they're just not doing what they're supposed to do on a fundamental level this was disgusting to watch in that respect i'm not being hyperbolic here instances like this that kind of failure that is how people die in combat sports heck there was that guy i oh god i think it was georgian uh, the country there was a again some like russian slavic guy a couple of months ago whose corner after a couple of rounds Made the hard call, stopped the fight on behalf of his fighter. His fighter still had just suffered too much head trauma and died a few weeks later from it. This is how this happens. Hope you're all proud of yourselves. Bunch of slack jawed jackasses. Moving on. Alex Morono defeats Max hey, Griffin. Hmm? Nothing. Okay. Oh, Slack John. I get it. Uh, I I will not, however, be uh, encouraging you all to have chew and accuse you of being <laughs> of a different sexual orientation should you <laughs> decline. Uh, Alex Morono defeats Max Griffin via unanimous decision 29 28 twice, 129 27. I. The, the 10-8's dubious. Uh, Morono won the fight. He got a near... Uh, I think it was the second that they gave him 10-8, which I'm okay with. He dropped Griffin with a head kick, uh, dropped him again. Like, it was near the end of the round, so yeah, I can see it. Uh, this, this entire card had four ranked fighters on it. They, two of them and both... They, so again, there were two fights with ranked contenders fighting each other. One of them was the main event. The other, this one, buried on the prelims because the UFC hates flyweights. Sin Figueredo defeated Tim Elliott via guillotine choke three minutes and eight seconds into the first round. Uh, Figueredo must have had a heck of a grip going because he did not really have the other, like one one side of Elliott's neck was open. So whatever kind of choke he had, it was a, a windpipe compression rather than a blood choke. Which can still get someone to tap. I mean, Tamelli, it's not an easy guy to finish. And Figueredo did it. Uh, Figueredo held the choke a little bit too long. I don't like that. He was apologetic afterwards, but you should know better, buddy. Uh, After the fight, Figueredo said, Joseph Benavidez, let's fight for the vacant belt because, or or the interim belt or what have you because Henry Cejudo is not going to be ready to fight until early next year and... Uh, might not even be fighting at flyweight anyway, so that's a little bit up in the air. I know what the UFC has said, but I cannot take Dana White at face value, and neither should you. Um, Figueiredo and Benavides is a good fight. You know, Figueiredo's an exciting flyweight, as are most flyweights, actually. Uh, Marlon Vera defeated Andre Ewell via TKO, uh, just elbows and punches in the third round. Uh, you know, Vera's a solid fighter. I mean, Ewell had his moments in this fight, but Vera's just kind of better everywhere. And once he got on top, especially, just unloaded on him. Uh, Miguel Baeza defeated Hector Aldana via TKO leg kicks and elbows. Two minutes 32 into the second round. Uh, That calf kick, guys, it's a killer. Uh, Baeza kept landing it on Aldana. Finally dropped him. He dropped him with it a few times. In the second round, he did not get up immediately. Baeza got on top of him. Most of the elbows he was landing were blocked, but Aldana wasn't doing anything else. His hips weren't moving, his legs weren't engaged, he was just done. Um, Hector Aldana, I feel pretty confident now saying not a UFC caliber fighter. I believe he's 0-3 in the promotion. Marvin Vittori defeated Andrew Sanchez, via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Uh, Wound up being much more of a showcase for Vittori than I thought it was going to be. I picked him to win because I've never been sold on Andrew Sanchez. But he really was just clearly the better fighter of these two. So good for Vittori. And kicking everything off, J.J. Aldrich defeated Lauren Mueller via unanimous decision, 30-27, and then 229 28 uh, Not a bad fight, all things considered. Both of those women do a lot of headhunting and would benefit from body work. Especially since you know, if you don't have a tremendous amount of knockout power, incorporate body work. It's less, it's it's easier to accumulate body damage with lesser force than it is to knock someone out with one punch if you don't just have that power. Uh, All right, Jeff, what do you got to say here for the rest of these fights? Because there were some good, again, there were some pretty good ones in there. You covered it. All righty. Uh, again, thanks to anyone who read my coverage at four, one, one mania, uh, or has read the report after the fact, uh, I don't, I deeply, deeply appreciate the support that you guys give me. I keep trying to get better. So if you, at any point, if you guys have constructive criticism, I am open to it. I mean, I'd rather you not just tell me to eat feces and perish, but I can't stop you if that's all you want to do. Uh, again, not a bad night of fights, actually. Uh. Again, there were and some kind of mess stuff, some kind of, you know, some just catastrophic failures, but, you know, good top cup, you know, the top three fights all delivered to one degree or another, uh, again, solid night of fights, even if it was about three fights too long in terms of just, Hey, 14 fights on a card. Oof. Just don't do that again, please. That's just, that's just a lot. All right, moving on. UFC on ESPN 6, Friday, October 18th uh, from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, your main event, Jeff, Chris Weidman trying to revitalize his career, moving up to light heavyweight to fight the undefeated Dominic Reyes.
1: I like uh, the matchup. I don't think it's going to be a good night for Weidman, though.
0: Yeah, Weidman just won and four in his last five. Good grief. Knocked out by Rockhold, knocked out by Romero, knocked out by Musassi, submits Kelvin Gastelum, but he got dropped badly at the end of that first round, and knocked out by Jockeray. So, again, what do you see being kind of the, the big thing here as far as why you're going with Reyes? Is it just Weidman being washed? Well, I
1: don't think Weidman's looked really good in a while. He's moving up to a new weight class. He's fighting an undefeated light heavyweight. Um, just not, Wybin's not used to fighting this type of opponent. And Reyes is a legit prospect, man. And he's done very well. I mean, he beat, he beat Volkan Uzdemir, who fought for the title. Um, I just don't think this is a fight... Well, Wyman's just going to walk in and have an easy go of it. And I just kind of feel like we've seen the ceiling for Weidman. And I don't know. I don't really feel like he's shown enough to prove he's going to, you know, moving up a weight class is going to fix his chin or just the problems he's, he's had in the past. I don't think he's going to regain anything
0: by moving up in weight. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit torn in some respects because even over this string of losses, Weidman has shown some you know, some moments of real you know really good stuff. Uh, the whole first round against Jacare, he did a great job of keeping his jab going, of moving laterally, of frustrating and tagging Jacare, and then he just couldn't quite maintain it. Jacare made a few adjustments to be able to get in closer, and mean we, we got the firefight that we got.
1: The uh, other thing, Weidman tends to get into a lot of firefights, and he tends to sort of just wade in and just leave his head and chin wide open.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards Reyes here. Uh, some of this is dependent on Weidman's game plan, and I'm making an assumption or two about that.
1: He tends to be aggressive and tries to just lumberjack his way in.
0: Yeah, if Weidman comes out with a very wrestling-heavy offense, I'll be very curious to see how Reyes deals with that because Weidman is such a good grappler. But the longer this stays on the feet, especially at kind of distance, Reyes is a big guy and a long guy for that even a light heavyweight. Reyes is, what, six-something or other? Yeah, he's 6'4". Four. And has, like, he's got less than 80 inches of reach, though. I mean, 77, so I shouldn't be overly critical of that. Uh, yeah, Weidman actually has longer arms. Uh, Weidman has a longer reach. Uh, Reyes, again, much more known for his kicking. His kicking game is, uh, I won't say very sophisticated, but it is extremely effective.
1: Weidman's not a small man, and, you know, middleweight was always sort of a big cut for him. But. I don't know. I'm just, not, I'm not sure he's, he's naturally fit for light heavyweight. Anyway.
0: And even if he is, this feels like kind of a big ask for his debut, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna lean Reyes, but I'm not gonna be terribly surprised if Weidman finds something that he can exploit in Reyes's habits.
1: I mean, we'll save, but I'm leaning toward Reyes in this fight.
0: All right, as for your co-main event, this uh, was the the original... <laughs> it actually was the main event from a event a couple of weeks ago. Rebooked after the no contest, Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens. I kind of want Stevens to come out and just do the old uh, Three Stooges double poke to the eye, just like first thing he does. Just come out, bonk. How do you like it? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. He'd be disqualified for that, but I would laugh. I would laugh so you hard. You
1: know, for anyone... Criticizes Jeremy Stevens. Just remember. Michael Bisbing Lost his whole entire eyeball. So. Luckily Stevens is okay. But an eye poke. Is not like a, a simple little walk it off type of. Foul. I'm sorry.
0: No look the people who were throwing shade at Jeremy Stevens. Were talking out of their ass. No sorry guys. <laughs> you- the notion that he was malingering or didn't want to fight or some such nonsense. I mean, he spent something like they set the number. I want to say it was like $30,000 on his training camp. He spent like six weeks or months, three months. I think it was down in Mexico prepping for that fight. Like, no, he's not going to throw that kind of cash and spend that kind of time to then just, well, 15 seconds and a minor bit of adversity. I'm not gonna he's not Bob Sap, Okay. Uh, again, that was a ridiculous claim. This now being a three-round instead of a five-round fight does kind of that does kind of tilt a few things in Rodriguez's favor. I think. I'm still favoring Stevens. I'm still favoring Stevens, but I think Yair's odds in a three-round fight are better than they were in a five-round fight. Probably uh in a heavyweight fight because the because ESPN really does love them some football players in MMA oh, Greg Hardy Greg Hardy's back This is not a joke about Greg Hardy okay I mean look I've said all I'm going to say about him as a person Um his his debut was on the first ever UFC on ESPN card ESPN Plus card excuse me was promoted his second fight was on the main card for Hermanson versus Jacare. And now he's again heavily. uh, And the one after that was on ESPN, the Edwards versus Dos Santos fight ESPN four. And he was the, not the co-main, but the one right after that
1: question, why is Greg Hardy such a big deal? Other than that, he's a former NFL player. Is he a good NFL
0: player? Most, most of this is due to him being is due to the domestic abuse allegations and a few convictions that have been thrown his way.
1: I, I mean, I see Pro Bowl, I see second team all pro, first team all I don't see a Super Bowl ring in here.
0: Well, he played for the Cowboys, of course not.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, what, I, I. other than that he was in the NFL, I don't get why he gets such a big push.
0: Because he was in the NFL, and he's, a, again, a figure of some note. Not did did not Schaub
1: a... play, play in the NFL, too? Who? Brandon Schaub.
0: Yeah, and if he were still fighting, they'd probably go out of their way. I don't know. Did Schaub actually play in the NFL?
1: I believe he
0: did. I know they've always said he did, but... Mitrion? He not... did. I know Mitrion did. Hang on, I want to look up Schaub. He was signed to the Buffalo Bills
1: practice squad.
0: Okay, so, no, he didn't.
1: Okay, so he didn't actually... Okay, I thought he was in the NFL, but Mitrone yeah. did play.
0: Yeah, Mitrone actually had a... I think he had a little bit of playing but, time. Yeah, sh-
1: Mitrone wasn't, you know, pushed that hard as a former NFL guy, really.
0: He also was not... And again, look, Greg Hardy, you know, I'm not saying best NFL best footballer ever, not even close but he actually had again some a bit of notoriety as a good player. Mitrion was a guy who washed out after half a season. You know, Shaw played in a Shaw played on the practice team for the Bills during preseason. Didn't even make it the regular season. He played in the arena football well, if, league for a even, bit.
1: Even knowing he played for the Cowboys. I I still don't see why he's deserving like of being on the main card. yet.
0: He's not, but they're going to do it anyway. I don't
1: I'm not saying don't give him a don't give a don't let him fight. That's not I'm just saying he's getting more attention than he's worth right now. Whatever.
0: That's fair. He's fighting uh, Ben Sassoli, who I imagine is just a heavy bag. Let's see. According to SureDog,
1: he is seven and two fought on the contender series to a no contest uh due to an eye poke uh I did not see this fight, so I don't know who I poked to, but
0: is New- from New zealand no oh, Australia sorry the extra star means Australia his picture on Tapologies of him weighing in having drawn abs on himself with marker hey. i mean look I'm sure strong Bad approves but i mean so he fa- uh, he was on the he was RP-
1: brief- he won his last fight, so there's that. His last two. Um, he beat Juan Adams in 45
0: seconds. God. Do you know who Juan Adams is? I do. Juan, the Kraken Adams. Uh, he's, had, he's had like three, three or four fights in the UFC. Uh, again, this is a setup for Greg Hardy for reasons that remain nebulous. Look, put Greg Hardy in there with anyone who knows anything about what they're doing and they're going to kill him.
1: <laughs> I'm picking
0: Ben Sassoli. I can't in good conscience do that at this point. <laughs> I, if you're asking where my emotions lie, sure, I will not root for Greg Hardy.
1: What about a DQ, a DQ finish? Another he already finish.
0: has a DQ finish. Well, what, what about another one? He almost had one of those in one of his other fights. It was hilarious. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, lightweight, Joe Lozon coming out right. of a brief retirement. I mean, I love Joe Lozon. I don't know, but we'll see. Um, he's fighting uh, Jonathan Pierce. When was Joe's last? He, he got obliterated so, by Chris Gritzmacher.
1: That was in April of last year. I don't know if this is a good idea. I hope he's not in bad financial straits.
0: But we'll see. Uh, uh, Jonathan Pierce is on a five-fight winning streak, including a win on the Contender Series earlier this year. That's kind of what's precipitating this. Uh, I can't pick Joe Lozon at this point. I just can't. Um, you know, Lozon has some his name on some records and was a was a reliably engaging fighter. But it happens to every
1: fighter at some point. Yeah, Joe Lozon in his time was a
0: remarkably
1: entertaining fighter.
0: He's been in a couple of fights that I still loved. I mean, that first fight with him and Jim Miller is a a personal favorite. Mainstay UFC fighter, but I mean, it's just... uh... He might still have the most finishes (laughs) in UFC lightweight history.
1: This isn't a... You know, this isn't a... What do I want to say here? This is a tough sport. This sport will always get you in the end. You know what I mean?
0: This is a brutal unforgiving sport, and I think Lozon's time has passed against
1: um, the clock more than anything, but we'll see.
0: Uh, women's flyweight. We have Macy Barber fighting Jillian Robertson. Um, this is a step up for Barber, but okay. I think she's going to win. Uh, Robertson has some good grappling, uh, but her striking's very, very limited. Her wrestling is, again, not great. So, I've, I've got Barbara here. The UFC really does seem to want to strap a rocket to her, so...
1: Damn it, the Yankees just scored a home run. They're up two and one
0: there. Damn it. It's the pinstripes.
1: I'm not happy
0: right now. Uh. All right, at middleweight, Deron Wynn uh, in his second fight in the UFC will fight Darren Stewart. Um, I'm really struggling to find a reason to pick Darren Stewart. Uh, his UFC run, his UFC record is like three and four one, no contest. Yeah. Um, on his last fight though, he beat Bevon Lewis. That is true. I I got win here. I mean, I, I need a a, Darren Stewart is not all that great and Duran win maybe still a little bit on the inexperienced side, but, uh, has a style that has also troubled Stewart consistently. Um, let's see something real fast. Uh, yeah, all right. As for the rest of the, that's the main card. As for the prelims, Charles Rosa will fight Manny Bermudez. That's not a terrible fight. Actually, Bermudez is pretty, Bermudez is decent. And Rosa has had a couple of good fights. Probably go with Rosa there. Um, A women's flyweight again. Molly McCann will fight uh, Diana Belbita. Uh, No, I am not pronouncing that correctly. Is she Romanian? Yes, sir. Uh, So that has a very different pronunciation that I am not going to try to attempt off the top of my head. Um, I'm just going to go with Belbita, and I will be corrected when someone who knows how to pronounce it better than I do does. Uh she's on a four-fight winning streak at the moment, coming into her debut. McCann has gone, I think, two and one in the UFC. Yeah, lost her debut, won her next two. Uh probably go with McCann there. Um Kyle Botniak will fight Sean Woodson. Boy, they are really just shoehorning all the Boston guys in here, aren't they? Um, Botniak eight and four. Jeez, his only UFC wins are a split decision over Enrique Barzola and a win over Brandon Davis. Um, yeesh. Wood- Woodson is 6-0, and making his debut. Scored a flying knee knockout on the Contender Series for whatever value you want to give that. Uh, I'm going to go with Botniac, but I am not sold on that one. Um, Randy Costa will fight Boston Salmon. Costa four and one lost to Brandon Davis in his debut, which means I'm probably going to go with Salmon, who is six and two and lost his debut as well to Khalid Taha. Taha's actually not a bad fighter, though. Yeah, I'm going to go with Salmon. Uh, Sean Brady will fight Court McGee. Kind of surprised the UFC still has employed Court McGee. I mean, I like the guy. I actually think I scored his last, the Diego Lima fight in his favor, but he's just like two and three in his last five, and it probably gets a little bit worse if we keep going back. I'm I'm a little surprised he's still on the roster, and that's not because I dislike him. That's anyway. Sean Brady is ten and O, uh, making his UFC debut. Hmm. Sentimentally, I will pick Court McGee. And heavyweight Daniel Spitz will fight Tanner Bozer. Uh, Spitz six and two. He's fought in the UFC. Yeah, he lost to Mark Godbeer, beat Anthony Hamilton, then lost to Walt Harris. Bozer, I believe, is making his UFC debut. Yeah, I'll go with Spitz there. And Kevin Holland will fight Brendan Allen. Kevin Holland, sixteen and four. One, uh, he's had two fights in the UFC. He's had several fights in the UFC. Geez, okay. Lost his debut to Thiago Santos. Oh, I remember this guy now. Beat John Phillips. Beat Gerald Mershart. I thought that was slightly dubious. Beat Alessio Um, uh, Whereas Allen is twelve and three, making his debut. I'll probably go with Kevin Holland, but uh, he's you know. A relatively flawed fighter in many respects. That could potentially be. And he's Holland's taking the fight on short notice too. Alan was supposed to fight Eric Spicely. That is a radically different style of fighter. All right. So Jeff, what do you want to? Anything stick out to you from that group of fights? Nope. Alrighty. Well. Again, there hasn't been a tremendous amount of news this last week, but I figure this is as good a good place to start as any. We talked last week about UFC, former UFC heavyweight champion Kane Velasquez. Moving on to the greener pastures of professional wrestling. This week it was made more official. Um, he apparently has signed a multi-year deal with World Wrestling Entertainment. We talked last week that he had informed the UFC was going to withdraw from the USADA testing pool. Now he's actually signed with a wrestling promotion. And is booked officially to battle Brock Lesnar for the WWE Universal title at as Larry Zonka calls it Sweet Saudi Blood Money 3. Uh, three or four. Whatever the next Saudi whatever the next Crown Jewel event is. Um also on that same card, Boxer Tyson Fury will have a match with Braun Strowman for reasons. Mostly Mr. Tyson mo- Fury, man. Good for him. There's um, that paper. There's no way he's making as much from the from WWE as he does boxing. <laughs> they're not going to pay him that. Then again, if they're able to funnel some of that Saudi Arabian money into him, I mean, he might. I mean,
1: you don't think he's getting a good payday off of this?
0: Off of, oh, he is. I suppose I should rephrase. I suppose I should rephrase.
1: Worked wrestling match. I mean, that's. For him, that's got to be an easy payday. Plus, he'll get, like, treated, you know, like royalty over, overseas.
0: Well, he is the Gypsy King. Well. Arguably,
1: it's an easier payday than a boxing fight.
0: It is certainly an easier payday than the most lucrative boxing fights he could take. Um... So, anyway, came to WWE officially. Uh, I won't say gone forever from MMA, but given his injury history, given his age...
1: has a bad knee.
0: Yep. I imagine he's probably done with MMA, <laughs> at least That's for probably, a few years. I think it's probably for the best. I mean, again, we're talking about a guy who... was... In many respects, one of the absolutely one of the best ever. Just unfortunately, never it became champion, has successful title defenses under his belt, but just between oh, he, injuries and timing,
1: and yeah, it,
0: uh, just never. Yeah, I heard this mentioned. I think it was Chuck Mindenhall. If you, know, you and I were both watching when he beat Brock Lesnar to yeah. become heavyweight champion. I thought he was never losing that belt. And not only that, but that was in Anaheim if memory serves. And the reaction he got for winning that fight was insane. That place went nuts for him. You if you watched that if you watched his run up to the title, you thought he was going to hold the belt forever and you thought and not only hold it based on skill, but you thought this guy has the real opportunity to kind of bust open some doors for the sport in various parts of Latin America. Uh, for, you know, huge other, you know, other markets that have just, and not just geographic markets, but demographic markets that just have never really gravitated to the sport just yet. You thought this was the guy. You know, this is, this is a heavyweight who puts on exciting fights, who appeals to a demographic and a geographical location we really want to get into. And he looks unstoppable. Like that guy looked like a, you know, a once in a, a one in a million fighter. And to be fair, he probably still is. You want to know what's
1: crazy? Kane was the betting uh, underdog against Lesnar.
0: That was that was the like dumbest thing. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't have anything against Brock, and I think if you rewatch that fight prior to Brock getting clipped with that left hook and then break across the cage. He wasn't doing badly, but that was just such a terrible matchup for him that Kane should not have been the underdog in that fight. I agree. So, again, we'll see Velasquez and Lesnar at Crown Jewel, and can I just say the fact that they have Rey Mysterio trying to be Kane's mouthpiece is hilarious to me because Rey's not exactly a great promo to begin with.
1: Apparently, he's Dominic's godfather or something.
0: In kayfabe, sure.
1: Uh, just, I, I, mean, I mean, Kane is 37. Dominic Mysterio is how old?
0: Uh, early 20s, maybe a teenager. I have to double check. Probably mid-teens, mid to late teens. I mean, if Brock's throwing him around like he is, he might at least be of legal age.
1: Let me think. I don't know. He just doesn't seem... I mean, Dominic seems too old to be like the godson of Cain, but whatever. So he's like a friend of the family. I'd buy that. Um, so, anyway, there's
0: that. Uh, all right, the other...
1: Cain, you know... I think this is probably for the best for him to kind of move on. Um, if he's going to be pro wrestling, I, I, I don't think you need him on a full time like schedule. I I think just give him a similar Brock Lesnar schedule, and I think it'll be all right.
0: Yeah, you probably want to give him something slightly more than Brock, but less than you know the regular guys. Uh, because he's going to be doing a lot of learning on the job as well, and so you don't want to, you know, have him too much. you know, uh, you don't want to have him on the shelf too much if he's still learning.
1: Develop his wrestling persona because he's not like, you know, he's a very intense fighter, and he, but can he can he translate that over into WWE?
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of a rough thing. That's that's the question. I wouldn't say it's a rough thing. Because there have been plenty of guys who have not been great talkers whose pure presence has gotten them over. So,
1: Okay.
0: Um, I will say, Paul Heyman did a tremendous job of putting Kane Velasquez over on the most recent SmackDown. Uh, because, you know, Paul Heyman is I just wish, still one of the best.
1: I just wish the title wasn't involved because...
0: It does kind of telegraph the finish, doesn't it?
1: Well... It's more pro wrestling to me, but it's just sort of Lesnar squashing and Kofi in eight seconds I thought was garbage. But that's a whole, that's a whole other issue. And, I mean, I'm not going to be watching the event anyway.
0: So. <laughs> uh, in all likelihood, uh, I won't either. But... I
1: can't, uh, look, I can't wait
0: for this time next year when Daniel Cormier debuts and we get the AKA tag team. Quite
1: frankly, I'm surprised they haven't tried something with Cormier sooner because he's, you know, more of a personality. And he's... I never even knew Kane was a wrestling fan. I've known Cormier has been a huge WWE pro wrestling fan for years. So, I mean, why would you not want to create some synergy with him and, I don't know, have him on kickoff shows or whatever? But
0: it wouldn't... Because I imagine... If I had to guess, his broadcasting deal with ESPN prohibits him from appearing on Fox in that Uh, capacity.
1: Yeah, but I mean, even before, when the UFC had a Fox deal.
0: Well, then they didn't have WWE.
1: I'm sure he could have done something.
0: Again, once he's done, after he fights Stipe again and win, lose, or draw, if that's his last fight, and I... Uh, however much, again, however much you think he's telling the truth about that is entirely up to you. But I imagine, again, about this time next year, probably he's he's debuting and he's going to help save Kane's bacon from a situation, and we'll get okay. those two as a tag team uh, kind of scenario. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, me neither. All right, uh, moving on. Last, this is a little bit of news. Yeah. Uh. uh a fight for UFC 245, which is a darn good pay-per-view thus far, between Santiago Ponzinibbio and Robbie Lawler is off. Law, uh, Ponzinibbio fell out, I believe, due to I believe, injury, but I don't that quote guy me had on that. bad this. luck. Hasn't he had, like, a string of injuries lately? It's not so much a string as they tend to crop up at just bad times for him.
1: Like, it just seems like Ponzinibbio is getting hurt or injured quite a bit. Whenever he gets the some... move. He hasn't fought... Alright, since so his last fight was November. Because he's on a hell of a win streak, and it just seems like... It really like... is. It just seems like injuries are always hurting his momentum.
0: Yeah, this was kind... This was going to be a big opportunity for him, and a fight that, frankly, I was going to favor him to win. So Lawler needs a new opponent. A few people have... to fight Usman. Yeah, he was. There was that time he was going to fight Usman. Uh... He had a couple of big opportunities yeah, fall good, through. That's a good fight. Fu- that's a good fight.
1: It's really too bad.
0: Yeah. A few people have put forth their name to replace him. Uh, Mike Perry said he'll fight Robbie Lawler, and you know what? Sure, let those two maniacs try to kill each other. <laughs> I, if I have,
1: Perry, I would have to lean toward Lawler.
0: <laughs> ditto. But at the same time, you know. Lawler's chin yeah, isn't what it used to be, and Mike Perry is a bad man. <laughs> Heck, huh? Nico Nico Price just got a big knockout. Let's give him that shot. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, th- there's a lot of ways you can go with that that can still make sense and make for entertaining fights. Uh, you know, if Leon Edwards is serious about not just getting, because Leon Edwards has a lot great winning streak. He's due but... for a fight. Yeah, and if if he wants a high-profile win, I I know he's ranked above Lawler at this point, and in fairness, he should be. But if you get on 245, which is going to be a big pay-per-view, and you beat Robbie Lawler on the main card, uh, it might generate a little bit more momentum for you than you've got right now.
1: The good news there is that fight hasn't happened yet. Because Edwards beat Dos Anjos, and then Dos Anjos beat Lawler. So you can't really... Probably don't want to do those rematches just yet. So interesting.
0: I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm sure they'll come up with something, or he won't fight on the card. In which case, you know what? Fair play. <laughs> uh, but that's all I've got. Uh, all right. Anything else that uh, kind of comes to your mind, Jeff, about uh, news from the week? Because it's been a pretty slow week, I think.
1: Kind of. It was really that Yoanna thing that was kind of. Uh... Oh. Something on MMA fighting on Tiago Alves exploring free agency after UFC on ESPN 7 said he will probably retire in
0: 2020. So, it's overdue for him in that respect. It's
1: signed by Bellator.
0: Almost <laughs> okay. certainly.
1: He's only 36, so he could have a whole career in Bellator, really, if he wants.
0: Welterweight, he gets killed by Diego Lim, by excuse me, Douglas Lima, uh, but sure.
1: So on MMA fighting, Cody Garbrandt wants to fight again by March. We'll see. You know, he, you know, we'll we'll see if he can mount a comeback. They're having a couple bad knock knockout losses.
0: Oof. He needs a he almost needs an overhaul.
1: Really. He really needs to turn it around, but it's not—it's not not unheard of. No, it's not.
0: Uh, All right. Twitter says nothing new, so let's go ahead and. We've
1: been talking uh, to MMA fighting about um, George Mosvital versus Nate Diaz. You've got 20 losses. You're not a a bad mother effer. Um. Let's be honest, on the promotional side, I think they dropped the ball in getting my fight done because that was the fight that should be at Madison Square Garden. They dropped the ball getting that fight done, so they have to create something to sell a fight. Let's be honest, these two guys have over 20 losses combined. mind. 20 losses, how can you call yourself a BMF and you've got 20 losses? A, uh, a bad mother effer, alive is a guy no one can touch. You've got 20 losses, sit your ass down. You're not a bad mother effer. Yeah. He does not think very highly of that, of the the BMF title fight. Well, Robert,
0: I understand his position. Let me be clear. I'm not saying I am. I'm not advocating for it, but you're the champion of your division. He is. Mm -hmm. He's not lost in the UFC at all. Right. He's not lost a round in the UFC at all. And he's got a title fight scheduled for, you know, the end of the year. Against the most deserving contender that they have. I understand him trying to say, no, <laughs> yeah. nuts to that.
1: Yeah, he yeah, had been five for years making five all these little mom,
0: right? <laughs> okay, look, I, I appreciate the Nate Diaz impression.
1: <laughs> well, five i years, five all these little uh, uh,
0: Look again, he's trying to get some hype around his fight. I get it. Now, huh? Uh, and look, again, the winner of that, if the winner of Masvidal and Diaz wants the next title fight at welterweight, they're going to get it. So he's, he's, you know, trying to look forward, assuming he beats Covington, what, what and get a little hype on him.
1: Usman is the guy asking him questions, never asked him about the ESPN report saying the UFC threatened to strip him of the title. I want to know what was up there.
0: Even if it was true, I doubt. Again, like, I don't know that he'd give a straight answer.
1: ESPN reported it.
0: I mean, so I want. And, and look, the UFC has threatened to strip champions in the past if they don't acquiesce to their. will. It's a negotiation tactic that's I been wanna documented. Know, I
1: want to know how how it was how it was presented to him and how that worked out. Because if 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 ESPN reported it reported it and they did not pull it out of nowhere, I would like to know where the origin of that. I don't think that's unreasonable.
0: No, I would be very curious to know about the details of that as well. You'd have to ask him.
1: All right, well, that's about it for right now.
0: All righty, then. Um, yeah, that's all I've got, too. So what would you like to plug, Jeff? What do you uh, got
1: coming up? Anyone who's a fan of... Um, Korean filmmaker Bong Joon-ho, and if you like Snowpiercer, uh, his latest film, Parasite, which won the Palm uh, Dior of uh, the Cannes Film Festival, one of, uh, I think, the best films of the year is Parasite. Check out my review of that. Also check out my review of the number one movie in America yet again, Joker. Uh, My review of the really, truly awful Will Smith film directed by Ang Lee. Gemini Man. Uh, I was at the Impact Wrestling Media Day at Access TV Studios, uh, and we've got some interviews that are going to be coming up, uh, hopefully throughout the week or over the next couple weeks, uh, with uh, some of the Impact Wrestling talent. Uh, And then also, my next reviews will be doing Zombieland Two, Maleficent Two, and what was there was one other one. Uh, I have coming up. Zombieland 2, Maleficent 2. Oh, Terminator Dark. Oh, God. Terminator.
0: <laughs> <Hey>. You sound, <laughs> you've started to sound like me when talking about the movies you have to review.
1: Uh, it's, an, I mean, it's another Terminator freaking sequel. They're, I mean, they're starting over again, and they're trying to, uh, I just wish this franchise would die. To me, there was a time you could have made a third Terminator movie. That time is long past. A legit third Terminator movie. And this still isn't it. So, sorry.
0: Have you seen it yet?
1: Uh, no, I haven't. I'm I'm going to be seeing it next... When is it? I'm seeing it this... I, I believe sometime this week. Okay. So, here we go. October... So no, a week from tomorrow is what I'm saying. At least it's close.
0: Yeah, there's that.
1: And you know what? Look, sometimes I can get surprised. I'm not expecting it here. I mean, I mean, have you seen the other Terminator
0: sequels? I've seen all of them. Yeah, I've reviewed a few of them, and. uh. The here. I have a hard time imagining it being worse than Genesis because Genesis was just the worst thing I'd ever seen for a while. Uh, Jeez, which is also – I actually don't know how I'd rate Genesis versus the Christian Bale one.
1: Just saying not worse than Genesis is not like some sort of high-water mark of quality. It's not.
0: It's really not. Yeah, That's all I have for plugs this week. Uh, as for myself, uh, I got together with Mark Rattich and Alexis Haina on Tuesday, and we reviewed Joker. It's about a three-hour-long discussion of that movie, so uh, strap in if you're going to listen. Can
1: you but like
0: I, By and large, I yeah. to kind of summarize my position. The enti- I mean, the entire movie is designed to hinge around Joaquin Phoenix's performance. And his performance is spectacular, but it doesn't really do anything other than provide a vehicle for Joaquin Phoenix to act. There's some decent cinematography that went into it, but there's nothing else about that movie that is interesting, much less remarkable, apart from his performance.
1: I agree. Pretty much agree with you. I think that's pretty spot on.
0: I mean, even other character pieces uh, like "There Will Be Blood" at least had like Paul Dano doing a doing a bang up job in his supporting role. You know, this one's nothing apart from Phoenix. Anyway, we get the whole so there's our discussion of that and related, loosely related subjects. I got together kind of impromptu with Mark and we did some alternate commentary, watch along stuff for the boxing match on Saturday evening. Um, Alexander Usyk's heavyweight debut against Chaz Witherspoon after Tyron Spong failed a drug test. How do you fail a drug test in boxing, man? That's laughable. Uh, then again, uh, drug testing being what it is, who knows? So we have some watch-along stuff for that. If you're into... If you're so inclined, again, I Mark and I had a good time talking. We, you know, watched the fight and talked. That's kind of how that goes. I... Don't think there's a Damn You Hollywood this week. We'll be back over the next few weeks with uh, all the movies Jeff mentioned, actually. uh, Maleficent, Terminator, Zombieland. So you can tune in for those if you are a fan of Damn You Hollywood. And I'm not on any of the TV parties. So we'll be back here next uh, Friday evening. UFC on ESPN 6. Hope you'll all tune in for my coverage of that in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. We'll be back here next week to review that event, and that'll be the 18th. Yeah, we'll be previewing the UFC's return to Singapore for UFC on ESPN plus 20, Maya versus Askren. Um, Okay, that's a card, I suppose. Yeah, there's some decent stuff there. Muslim Solikov and Loriana Staropoli is going to be... Uh, that has some, some knockdown dragout potential. Enrique Barzola and Movsar Evloev might be good. Okay, there's a few things. Oh, Cyril Gons fighting. Okay. One of the few heavyweights I won't actively groan when I hear is fighting. and anyway, We'll have a full preview of that event next week. Uh hope you all be back for that. Until then, thank you again for listening. Thank you for interacting with the product. Thank you for sharing us with your friends. If you have any that you think are interested, uh, see you next time again. Until then, on behalf of Jeff, I am Robert. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.